Hi there, my name is Mary Kilolea. Welcome to the To Be Boulder podcast, providing career insights for the next generation of women in business and tech. To Be Boulder was created out of my love for technology and marketing, my desire to bring together like-minded women, and my hope to be a great role model and source of inspiration for my two girls and other young women like you. Encouraging you guys to show up and to be bolder and to know that anything you guys dream of, it's totally possible. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. Hi there. Thanks for tuning in. I am delighted to be joined today by Mary Bowes. Mary is a connector. She finds joy in meeting people on planes, trains, boats, or even elevators and helping them in business and life. Mary is a senior enterprise sales director for MRP, which is a predictive account-based marketing platform. In addition, she is a trusted advisor for global B2B demand gen and ABM channel marketing leaders. She collaborates with B2B marketing leaders to devise and implement full funnel account-based marketing programs that build targeted awareness, demand, and revenue via direct and channel. Mary, thank you for being here. It's so great to be with you, Mary. Thank you. All right, well, let's dive into ABM, better known as account-based marketing. I'm familiar with it sitting in the marketing chair that I am, but you know, there's some probably listeners here that may not be familiar with it. So love for you to share your expertise on what it is, who benefits from it, and, and why it's becoming a go-to lever that you might pull. I'd be happy to talk to you about ABM because I'm super passionate about it. You know, it's really just about good marketing. ABM is really about focusing your marketing efforts on companies and decision makers and influencers at those companies who look like good customers. So first step is looking at the customers you have, customers that use your technology, your product, your services well, and that are um, strong customers for your company. And then thinking about what size are those organizations, what industries are they in, what problems are you helping them to solve, and go out and find more that look just like them. That's account-based marketing. And so when you're working with your, your customers, are you building out full funnel nurtures um, and specifically like, let's just say they have a targeted campaign that they're doing and trying to achieve or a product they're trying to sell, then walk me through how that becomes so valuable and how then ABM helps execute that. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, technologies like CRM and marketing automation are in most companies technology stacks, right? So when most people think about nurture, they think about Marketo, Eloqua, HubSpot, all great tools. Mm-hmm. But with ABM, ABM is really geared towards B2B companies, business to business. Mm-hmm. And particularly with large organizations, those buying committees can be really large. So a great way to do what is full funnel, which is really building awareness of your organization and the problems it can help solve. So acting as an educator. Um, and then from there, building consideration of your solutions and where it fit, your solutions fit in the marketplace and ultimately driving demand um, and then selling in that solution to the customer. It takes a lot of touches and a lot of influence across a large buying committee And you can't do that with email alone. You want to take an integrated and omni-channel approach. And, you know, whether it's using um, email or 
display banner advertising or targeted um, outbound calling from your SDR organization, direct mail, all of these things can be, be very effective at building awareness and consideration and ultimately pipeline. So my organization, that's what we're doing. We're helping with eight online and offline marketing solutions. And for some clients, they have a lot of capabilities. I talked to a customer today and they use um, multiple SaaS solutions, software as a service. So they might use um, a company like mine to help identify the target accounts and do some of the marketing journey, but then they may also invest in other software solutions like an Alice, for example, for gifting for direct mail um, and use that side-by-side with Marketo for email. So anyway, the idea is to build that relationship over time and surround the buying committee so that you can make that sales cycle shorter and those interactions more meaningful and targeted. What was it about marketing that kind of led you down this path? If you could speak to kind of your roles and responsibilities. Sure, I'd be happy to. So my little secret is that I actually started my career in marketing and then came over to sales. So I started off actually in PR and marketing, direct marketing, and then came over to sales and media later. But the reason why I like marketing and marketers is because working with marketers is like a license to learn Mm. and create and collaborate. So in a given week, I can give you an idea. I talk to um, agencies and marketers about in, in a single week, it could literally be nuclear energy, cloud technology. Um, I talked to someone about medical device marketing and internet of things. So you are constantly being tasked with learning even just a little bit about a lot of topics. Mm-hmm. The cool thing about marketing, there is some of the same processes in terms of discovery and building rapport and relationship using some of the same tactics that it doesn't really matter at the end of the day what the message is. It's just about finding the right audience and then serving that message across in different channels to build that reach and connectivity mm-hmm. and influence. And so that's why I like marketing them. She can get really creative. So with dealing with the various topics that you're dealing with, how do you build your tech aptitude or acumen around um, and and have confidence to do that? Because, you know, you've got to go in and you've got to present yourself like, you know, enough to carry (laughs) on a good conversation, even though they're the experts. Well, you know, they do say fake it till you make it (laughs) to some degree, you know, it's a good um, (laughs) It's good advice, but I would say, you know, these days, um, there's so many events and there's so much thought leadership on the web and people who are true, truly experts, most of them, or I should, dare I say us should are happy to talk about what we do and what we're passionate about. So the number of times someone has asked like a super simple question, like how does content syndication work or what is a cookie? Um, or you know, why, why does it, why is it challenging what Google is doing about the cookies, you know, the cookie apocalypse? Um, you just, I guess you just kind of pick it up through osmosis over time. And in my case, I've worked with a multiple of marketing technology organizations and each one I've taken learnings um, from people smarter than I am in product. Your product marketers are your friends. 
Yes. And those engineers, you know, even software engineers and product engineers, uh, a lot of them can um, simplify the complex and help you understand the technology. So it's just a question of asking more questions and reading, listening. Um, so you've worked with partners and B2B leaders to solve their business challenges. How do you draw, draw out their challenges? What would you say would be like your superpowers that help you succeed in that? You know, I'm like really a business nerd. I genuinely love business. So I would say my superpower is um, doing that research and homework up front before I walk in the door um, so that I can establish credibility mm-hmm. that I've, d- even if I don't know the nuances of their business, they know that I've cared enough and I respect their time and expertise enough to have some good questions. And at this stage in my career, there are very few industries or um, challenges that I haven't come across previously, which helps. And over time, you just build that archive. And even if you're not quite on the, you know, quite exactly where you need to be, um, you can kind of triangulate that discovery process. Mm-hmm. And so my advice is definitely do your homework and don't ask, you know, basic questions. Go in and go in with some artillery. Yeah. Um, you had experience in sponsorship and business development. You were a national sales manager and you've been an account exec. How have you been able to make the role transitions over the years? You know, it's um, it's interesting. Um, to some degree, the role transitions have corresponded to growing responsibilities for revenue and also a respect, I think, for the skill set and the types of relationships that are high level that I've been able to build. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say probably 15 years ago, maybe, I consciously made the decision that I wanted to stay on the front lines, that I didn't want to be the top sales leader within an organization, that it wasn't my aspiration because I didn't like a lot of the things that they had to do day in and day out. And some of the things they have to do, frankly, are not my my superpowers. Um, So I think just being true to myself and thinking about what I enjoy. What I enjoy is being out there talking to customers and learning and helping and and then coming back and um, collaborating internally to come up with creative ideas, whether it's, you know, sponsorship or um, unique ways of approaching, um, you know, omnichannel media and so on. Um, that's what really gets me out of bed in the morning and back on the computer and talking to um, customers and prospects. I think that's so fantastic because I think there's some misconceptions out there that, you know, the top means success, but the top doesn't always define your success. If you know yourself well enough, and if you are real with what fills your cup as far as passion, uh, I think that I hope that listeners hear that. Yeah. You know, I think it is really important because so often um, it's about the title or even it's just about the salary for some people or the income potential. And I think you have different needs during different stages in your career. Mm-hmm. And I can remember the first time that I reported to someone that was younger than I was and how tra- traumatizing that was and what a drama. And I'm like, hmm, my current manager is over 10 years younger than I am. And I love her. Mm-hmm. Like she's been one of the best managers I've ever had and is someone that I'll keep in touch with the rest of my life, I'm sure. So 
it doesn't, um, I think you just need to think about what you enjoy and be true to you. Yeah. I think you'll be successful. That's great advice. Um, you're, you're great at connecting people and networking. What advice do you have for those listening on the importance of networking and tips that they can implement or practice to be more comfortable with it? You know, this is interesting because, um, some of the best sales and marketing people out there are are introverts. Mm -hmm. Not everyone is an extrovert like, uh, like we are. Mm -hmm. I think you're an extrovert as well. So it is, it can be very uncomfortable for people who are introverted. Um, Regardless of if you are an extrovert or introvert, I think the number one piece of advice, and this is in business and in life Mm -hmm. is to make an effort to keep in touch with people that you enjoy. It doesn't need to be about business. You have a common interest. You've been important to one another day in, you know, during a, a small period in time. Keep up with them, even if it's once a year, a note on LinkedIn or a quick text or a call. People really enjoy that. And most people aren't very good at keeping in touch. Yeah. So if you just make an effort, like I was thinking about the ways I was going to enhance my life this year in 2022. And one of the things was, making an effort to call a few people or send a few notes every single week. And today I actually talked to a guy that I worked with at Newsweek magazine 20 years ago. We connected on LinkedIn and we had a half an hour chat and it was so fun. So much fun. I haven't talked to him in 20 years. I love that you, one, set those, like looked at your year ahead and said, what am I going to do to make it special? So what other kinds of things do you do? Do you do visualization, visual boards, goal setting, <laughs> you know, like reflection, or is it just, you, you pick a couple of things and say, you know, cause I'm all about trying everything. I'll pick a word for the year. I'll do. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a great idea. Word for the year. You know, this, I, I'm not a fan of the whole resolution thing, but I do think that things are seasonal and like back to school in September is a time to think about back to school, the new clothes, the new goals for for learning. And January is sort of that time as well. But I think saying the word resolution to me is Mm -hmm. like setting yourself up to fail, (laughs) which is why you'll notice that I was like, yeah, how how am I going to enhance my year? I'm, you know, being gentle and setting small measurable goals. And um, I think um, for me, they were very simple. Like, healthy, a little bit healthier. And I have a very specific thing that I want to do a few times a week, which is walk around my neighborhood three times. Now I'm telling you that's three miles. So three miles of power walking sounds daunting maybe, but if I just say I'm going to walk around the neighborhood three times and stop and smell the flowers and say hello to the neighbors on the way, Mm -hmm. a lot less daunting. Right. And also things surround yourself with what's important to you. Unfortunately, you can't see my bookshelf behind me, but it's, it's everything that I love. It's my favorite childhood book, The Secret Garden. It's my Nancy Drews. So my vintage set of Nancy Drews, when I want to think about how to be creative and solve mysteries and business problems, I can just go to Nancy and look behind the hidden staircase, <laughs> you know, or if I'm, you know, getting nostalgic for my years in Spain, I can take a look over my shoulder and see some ceramics that I bought and think about the funny story when I bought those ceramics and so on. So Going back to your question about um, networking and kind of tying it together, I think it's really about, in all aspects of your life, thinking about what makes you happy and keeping, keeping, doing more of that, Mm -hmm. you know, remove toxicity out of your life, your personal life, your business life, 
um, and be willing to take risks. You know, the, the name of your um, podcast really, really speaks to me because I think that some of the most rewarding experiences in my life is, have been because I've been really bold. Where do you draw from to, to get that boldness? I'm lucky. I think my parents raised me to think I could do anything I put my mind to. So I'm blessed that um, I was given a tremendous sense of self and confidence from a young age. Mm-hmm. You know, I just knew that if I wanted to do something, I would make it happen. And if it didn't happen, it's because I didn't want it enough. Right. right. For example, when I was in college, I studied abroad and I lived in Spain for a semester. And I loved it so much. And it completely derailed my earlier aspirations, which were to go to law school. And that's how I ended up in marketing sales. I gave up on law school and I moved back to Spain. And I lived in Spain um, for seven and a half years Mm -hmm. and got into marketing there. And so I started with international marketing and international sales. And I moved to the U.S. Um, And I moved to a foreign country with $1,500 saved and no job and no apartment. And I had a job in three days and an apartment, you know, within four or five and it changed my life. What was it like um, doing marketing in an international company, being young <laughs> and, and not knowing really what you were doing or not, not that you weren't skilled, yeah. but that you were just being bold and going and doing something that you love. But what is it? Because I'm curious. Yeah. I mean, you just have to be willing to learn. And it, it is a little bit of a fake it till you make it because, mm-hmm. you know, I was learning a foreign language at the same time. Right. So, you know, and I'm dating myself because that is pre-internet. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, um, it's still, I think it's thinking about um, what you think you want to do and being willing to fail. It's okay to fail too. When you've taken different career um, jobs, career roles over the years, um, are there non-negotiables that you have? Yeah. You know what? It's interesting. Um, I've been a little bit malleable on that point. And so it'll be a two-part answer. Mm -hmm. I think the number one thing is feeling like the product is top-notch because People are buying a product, but first, before they buy the product, they're buying you and your integrity and your version of how you think you can help them solve their problems. So I have to have a product that I can really believe in and I get really excited about because then the rest just falls into place. Um, And other non-negotiables, I would say in my next job, (laughs) I will have equity. I will have equity because I have not had equity in any companies in a long time. Mm -hmm. And if you're a business builder, you want to be recognized with equity. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just about cash. It's about building and being part of the future and benefiting, you know, if a company is sold or emerges, et cetera. Yeah, no, that's, that's so bright. Um, What advice for career planning can you share uh, with others based on your experience? I think ask for time, ask people for those informational um, in, in interviews or have a coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, if something looks interesting, ask about it. People, people who are happy in what they're doing, love to share what they're doing and ask them what they don't like about what they do. Mm-hmm. Don't just ask them about the flowers on their desk, <laughs> you know, ask them about 
<laughs> ask them about the journey that took them to where they are and what they like and don't like about it. What would they change about their day-to-day if they could? And that will tell you a lot. When you reflect on your career, what are you most proud of? I think being fearless and embracing challenges and change with enthusiasm. And if something hasn't worked out the way I wanted it to, always looking on the bright side. There's always something that you learn every single time, whether that's in life or in business. Um, And I would say um, being open, open to opportunities um, that have come my way. I've had sort of an uncanny ability to have opportunities present themselves because I've been receptive. Let's talk about women in tech for a minute. Um, What do you think women like you and me can do to help the landscape and open up the doors more for other women? I think by participating, you know, in the mentoring programs um, and showing an interest, you know, um, I work with some amazing women at MRP who have got such a great attitude and men too. I've got really good friends there, even in this short time and being remote. Think Mm. about it. I've only actually met in person, three people from MRP in a year. That's saying a lot, you know, and it's interesting at this stage in, in career too, you meet people and the diversity of people is really fascinating too. Um, So I would say though, back to your question, helping others, um, you know, I think it's showing, um, showing that you're willing to give people time, but it's also showing vulnerability and not being afraid to admit when you've made a mistake Mm -hmm. or that you don't know something, asking the questions when you know, everybody's sitting around you on the big conference call you know, with the CEO or the CMO are afraid to ask, asking the hard questions because you're not embarrassed. Right. Um, so show them the way. I think um, also when you're thinking about your career and what kind of career advice to give people, mm. picking the right companies is important too. And look, do a lot of um, research and see how many women are in roles, in management roles. Mm-hmm. And talk to some men and women. And I would and I would always recommend if you're looking at a company, try and connect with a couple people through your network or through LinkedIn to talk to them about what the culture is like, mm-hmm. you know, the pros and the cons of the culture and the product. And uh, do that before you go someplace. Yeah. Because companies aren't going to be open about what their weaknesses are. What does to be bolder mean to you? To be bolder. It's just to embrace. It's to live with enthusiasm. It's to do everything with enthusiasm. You know, it's, um, don't do anything halfway. (laughs) To me, that's what's to be bolder and be true, be true to you. And you may not be everyone's favorite sales rep or marketing director or product person. Um, but you have a lot to contribute and you need to share it. So to me, being bold is, is sharing, you know, it's going and doing, it's experiencing. Mm -hmm. Um, And going back to our earlier conversation, it's connecting and staying connected and don't count. Don't keep score. 
Um, when you're building these relationships, you know, there are going to be people who adore you and would walk on nails for you, but never call. If you call them, they're going to be thrilled and it's going to be like you're their long lost sister and they genuinely mean it. Mm-hmm. Not everyone has the, you know, time or, you know, they're, they're pulled in a lot of different directions with you know, kids and competing pressures. Just take payment and the reward it is to fuel the soul with those relationships and those connections, both personal and professional. Yeah. Because I don't know, for me anyway, that is what brings me joy. And in business too, only today, someone that I met, this woman, Joanne Dawson, actually, Boston marketing person. She retired like two and a half years ago. Out of the blue, called me this morning and said, oh, so-and-so called me and you know so-and-so. She needs help. And I told her that you could help her. Can I make the introduction? And I'm like, of course. I talked to her like right after the pandemic started. I called her out of the blue, even though she's retired, we're not doing business. I just liked her and was thinking about her. And when I think about people, that's the thing. I like, I'm going to send the text. I'm going to send the note on LinkedIn. I might pick up the phone. If I don't have time, I'll do something. But, you know, I think nurture yourself by nurturing those relationships. And those relationships are the ones, too, that if you need to make a career move later for whatever reason, these are people you build trust with who know you. They know your capability. um, And they're going to tell you the real deal about companies. So there's just a lot of reasons keep up with people and, um, I don't know, nurture your business and your personal self. What yeah. have you done over the years to build your personal brand? You know, it's interesting. Cause I think that's something that I should do more of. <laughs> so you're inspiring to me, Mary, really. Um, you know, I think being active in, um, industry, industry events is one thing. Um, and I think just being my authentic self in the interactions that I have with people, I'm very much a what you see is what you get. <laughs> and <laughs> I like you know, that. I'm not going to, I'm not everyone's favorite, but um, they're going to get an honest, mm-hmm. educated, uh, thorough response from me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm pretty dependable as well. It has been such a joy to have you on the show. Thank you so much for this conversation. Where can someone get in touch with you? Well, I would say the easiest way is LinkedIn. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for listening to the episode today. It was really fun chatting with my guest. If you liked our show, please like it and share it with your friends. If you want to learn what we're up to, please go check out our website at 2bbolder.com. That's the number two, little b, boulder.com.